0: Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is LOP Radio on YouTube, on speaker. On iTunes 5 Star Review, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart and Radio, wherever you get your podcast feeds, and of course on LawsofPain.net. And this week we're looking back at this time last year and Royal Rumble 2019. 12 months on, how does the show stand up? A Rumble that, quite frankly, was part of a top notch run to WrestleMania for WWE, but one followed by a, to put it PG, wibbly wobbly year. But yes, the Royal Rumble 2019. How does it stand up one year later, looking at the winners, the Rumbles themselves, the matches in between? This might be a bit of a shorter podcast, given that it's got a natural structure, which is rare for imp. Going into 2020, WWE is in a very interesting place, where the Rumbles, they don't feel super predictable. And I wrote in my column last Saturday, I wrote about how, looking at the men's Rumble in particular, I can really only see one winner, and for me, that's Roman Reigns. Unless WWE wants to do their normal thing of, I guess, subverting us and going something different. For me, that isn't because Roman Reigns has been booked absolutely amazingly and there's no question that he should win. For me, that's more because the rest of the roster with WWE, it was because of that wearily wobbly year. It feels like a lot of their acts are either finding their footing again or that they are, they or they've not risen to that level where they feel like an actual threat to win the Royal Rumble. So for me, that means that Roman Reigns, because he's had a level of consistency, suddenly he rises to the top because no one else has had consistency. So they're not at that level. They don't feel like they should win the Royal Rumble. Lesnar's had that as well, but if Lesnar wins, then consider me (laughs) next on the chopping block. (laughs) I guess in terms of covering WWE. I feel like he's a really good threat to win the Rumble, but shouldn't actually win. So in terms of like building suspense and kind of building drama going into the match and in the match itself, I really like what they've done, as long as he doesn't win. <laughs> as long as they set up the story I think they're setting up and don't actually go with what I think WWE might do. But this is completely different to last year. Last year we had two Royal Rumbles where going into the event there were two people who very clearly should be winning the thing. Becky Lynch for the women and Seth Rollins for the men and WWE made the absolute correct choice, proving that predictability doesn't automatically equal bad and did have both Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins win. Like, even with the pattern of the two Rumbles last year, both sets of the historic I guess final two in the Royal Rumble were also easily foreseen, but again, that doesn't necessarily make it bad if they were the right notes to be played in that song. Becky Lynch, Uh, she opened the show against Asuka, I'll talk about that later, but in the Void Rumble itself, uh, Lana came down and she was, oh, I've hurt my ankle, can't remember if that tied into the pre-show or not. Lana came down, she said, oh, my ankle's hurt, then out comes Becky Lynch to replace her, and then uh, David Finlay, (laughs) is the one who gives her the right to... David Finlay, I'm thinking of his son. Fit (laughs) Finlay is the one who finally gives her permission and she runs down to the ring, like, do it for Ireland, Becky! (laughs) Down she goes and she enters the Royal Rumble uh, as the hot favourite. It was the story people were predicting was going to happen because it was the story that was warranted. Especially given like how the past six months played out. Uh, for me, this is what makes 2020 quite interesting. It's because the last six months have become rebuilding. That gives you a very shallow pull for who should win. And if they don't want to go with the blatant who should win, if you're subverting, then it's Brock Lesnar or somebody like that. If you're not going for one of them, then it's wide open who could win. Last year, the run from Summerslam all the way to the Rumble, there was only ever going to be one winner, or only ever should have been one winner, and that was Becky Lynch. And using Charlotte there as the foil, because we're talking about the final two, using her as that foil of, but it's Charlotte Flair, She's the favorite going into the women's match in 2020. That sense was there. It's the you hear you hear it quite a lot on Twitter. Just the sense of of oh, Charlotte. She's pushed down her throat. She's overpushed. She's always there. You've always got to get Charlotte in. You've always got to get her over. And I feel like that's one of the stories they've accidentally told. Really, that's what the Becky Lynch thing was as well. That wasn't the story they were telling with her, like, finally having enough and then kind of with the fans revolting against against the Charlotte dominance in a way. And she's like, no, this is, I, I'm going to take my opportunities now. And the, like, badass character of Becky Lynch was born and it grew over time. But, like, her first promo was, the fans, you've all turned on me. When in reality, the, the fans turned with her. So it didn't really make sense, it didn't gel. That's not the story they told, but the story they wanted to tell was Becky Lynch has turned heel, and she's just got a lot more momentum in her character. Again, if you then react to that, like WWE did with Becky Lynch, if you react to it well, then that doesn't really matter. <laughs> if you don't quite hit the notes correctly, you can wreck on it. And that's exactly what they did. Becky, they went with Becky Lynch, and it was she was with the... She technically turned heel, but the fans were with her. So she was a different character to what WWE are kind of doing. Uh, and over time, Charlotte then becomes the heel. But the message that Becky Lynch has been portraying, that message is still there come the Royal Rumble. Charlotte has been by her side every single time. Uh, also not forgetting that her match against Ronda Rousey uh, Becky Lynch was the one who got injured uh, attacked by Night well when she went to the Night Raw there was the attack and uh, Nia Jax hurt her nose and I think she got a concussion off of it or something and so she wasn't allowed to compete at Survivor Series Charlotte Flair was the one who stood up and took her place in the match at Tables of Les and Chairs in December Charlotte Flair was the one who was in that match with Becky Lynch and come Royal Rumble Charlotte Flair is the favourite to win going in because Becky it's, it's one of those where in reality Becky Lynch was always the favourite even though she wasn't in the match she wasn't announced or anything which is a dangerous game to be playing with WWE, reference 2014, (laughs) just with Daniel Bryan. But Becky Lynch wasn't in the Rumble, and maybe they could have played off the 2014 thing with Daniel Bryan where they're pretty certain Becky Lynch is going to win because that's what the story that's been told to that point tells them is probably going to happen. But 2014's in the back of the mind. That was the story they told in 2014 as well, but they didn't realise it. This time they did realise it. They they changed tact like within weeks after SummerSlam, so yeah, (laughs) They they knew what they were doing at this point. WWE retcon a lot, but they often, when they retcon, they often do it well. It's just that when it, they do kind of push out is, oh, that's the story all along. No, like, there's no shame in retconning. I don't quite understand <laughs> the need to go, oh, we don't retcon. <laughs> it's fine to retcon. It's fine. There's a difference between retconning and, like, erasing continuity. That was WWE's issue in 2019. Retconning and changing things all the time, like the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> but, yes, so at this point, Charlotte has been there the entire time by Becky Lynch's side. By the time that we get to the Royal Rumble, Becky Lynch is the one who then forces her way into the match, and suddenly you've got Charlotte Flair, who was the favourite to win the thing, and you've got Becky Lynch, who wasn't meant to be in, but is forced her way in after Lana gets injured. The fans are right behind Becky Lynch, because it it fits with that story as well. Even though Charlotte, this time, wasn't really going with Becky Lynch, she was the favourite. It's WWE's... She's the one that WWE have pushed. She's their shining light. Becky Lynch is not that. She's the anti-hero. Charlotte is the tall blonde who is a magnificent athlete. Becky Lynch is like a brawler, essentially the complete opposite of a Charlotte. Those two being being the final two, yeah, it's perfect, <laughs> 100% the right notes to be playing at that time. Not forgetting the kind of that, that's a story that I kind of saw at the time playing out, and as time goes on, one year later, it's aged even better because that kind of feeling of Charlotte Flair being pushed down your throats, that feeling has grown, if anything. And it really adds to the 2019 Royal Rumble. Roy because that's the important thing kind of with wrestling as well is it's not just the moment in itself, it's what comes before and what comes after. Becky Lynch and Charlotte being the final two at last year's Royal Rumble has aged incredibly well, especially with the path that both of them have taken. Becky Lynch has had the better year, but Charlotte Flair's still managed to create that feeling of you are continuously pushed as you're the one that WWE want, you're there. can mark golden goose that they want to be champion in the big matches. And that really works when playing off of Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has been champion since WrestleMania. And she's proving herself again against Asuka this year after losing. We'll again get to that later. But yeah, the final two aged incredibly well. And Becky Lynch as the winner was 100% the right choice. And as the year has gone by, this cemented her as a top star. Like a massive moment. And in 2019, both wins were perfect. Which then brings me on to Seth Rollins. The complete opposite, where both of them at WrestleMania, from Mumble to WrestleMania, both of them were positioned and kind of made stars. They both won the championships and seemingly everything was set after WrestleMania for a great era and very quickly the rails fell off. Becky Lynch, somehow, Becky Lynch has managed to survive somewhat. Auto-corrected somehow. (laughs) Her her badass character maybe helped her through the times while Seth Rollins was more of a clean-cut babyface. So once the Buckingham world around him kind of fell apart a bit, he was in a lot more trouble than Becky Lynch was. Seth Rollins is not cool. Becky Lynch is. (laughs) That's not in my notes. (laughs) I just thought that would actually work quite well. But yeah, so at the time in 2019, Seth Rollins was on a hot streak. He'd had an amazing 2018. The incredible run with the Intercontinental Championship really established him. He became Mr. Monday Night Raw, the workhorse of the Monday Night division. And Seth Rollins, with Roman Reigns gone as well, Seth Rollins was positioned as the top guy. At the time, he was feuding with Dean Ambrose, positioned as a major storyline. But again, the kind of story they did with it didn't work. The way they played it out didn't work. It very quickly went into you people territory for Ambrose when there was genuine emotion and stuff to use no just just use the same dynamic lines as always and it died pretty quickly TLC match kind of took away a lot of its momentum but it positioned Seth Rollins as a top guy so in terms of like the long term picture in terms of Wrestlemania it did exactly what it needed to do The feud itself may not have been quality, but the outcome was exactly what they wanted. Seth Rollins is now a top guy going into the Royal Rumble. He feels like the only choice to win. Especially as, again, because Roman Reigns got into WWE, once again reverted to Brock Lesnar. So going into WrestleMania, it's five years since Brock Lesnar's been dominant in WWE. It's four years since Brock Lesnar's peak. And he's still on top. Nothing's progressed. They keep reverting back to Bot Lesnar, and Seth Rollins drives that home. He does. He does the same. You'll never hear promos, but there's a lot more weight to it because it's been four years now. <laughs> as in, this is getting a bit silly. You're gonna have to move on at some point. Or well, they don't, because Saudi Arabia wants him as champion. Seemingly, he's champion every time they go to Saudi Arabia. I'm not ruling that out as coincidence, because <laughs> it happened too much. But they keep reverting back to Bot Lesnar. It could be coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> So they keep reverting back to Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins plays off of that story and in terms of him winning the Royal Rumble that he's the workhorse versus the person who is never there and he's the kind of the lazy champion who will turn up when he wants He'll put in the effort kind of if he wants to. It really really works (laughs) and Seth Rollins was the perfect antagonist for that. It's just a shame of like we're back one year later and we're in the exact same spot again like they've nothing has changed fantastic <laughs> which is why it's a little bit worrying that Brock Lesnar might win and he got Lesnar vs The Fiend to unify the titles in a big beast versus beast match maybe that's why I'm going for Roman Reigns keep the stuff separate I don't know if WWE has a plan really or if they've kind of got ideas but that kind of adds to this year's Royal Rumble Instead of taking it away, weirdly, it keeps it unpredictable, <laughs> even though I'm pretty certain well, Roman Reigns is the only choice, it keeps it unpredictable because of Bot Lesnar. But last year, that's so that's kind of what happened afterwards, like we went back to Bot Lesnar again, which took away a lot of Seth Rollins' thunder. So like one year later, his win does not feel as significant, as an amazing moment. Uh, Becky Lynch has stood the test of time because the whole year it did establish her as a top star and it really, really worked. Seth Rollins' run was marred. (laughs) To put it lightly, it was marred. The world fell apart and he was like the biggest victim. His immediate feud after WrestleMania against Baron Corbin was absolutely crapped on. WWE pay-per-views were drawing half arenas, drawing like record lows for pay-per-views in certain cities. It was like his numbers were not good. His main events as well were getting booed out of the arena. So his championship run fell flat. They had brought Lesnar cash in money in the bank, become champion. Seth Rollins wins and becomes champion again so he at SummerSlam they've redone it they've reestablished him right we've had a wobbly summer but we can redo it then Head in a Cell happens <laughs> Seth Rollins' babyface run is dead <laughs> that is him gone and now he's a massive heel going into 2020 so his big babyface moment it doesn't feel as momentous as Becky Lynch's does but at the, in the time it did so it's, coming back to it now is a little bit odd where Seth Rollins clearly was the right choice at the time but now it's a little bit questionable like (laughs) a little bit not questionable it's a little bit it doesn't stand the test of time as well because of what happened afterwards it doesn't feel as long term significant as Becky Lynch's does even if the match itself it was 100% the right choice so yeah Royal Rumble winners, I would give it, again, A plus, two thumbs up for the actual winners. The Rumble show itself was great, the run to WrestleMania for both of them was great, so the immediate runs were done really well. Well, Becky Lynch's became so convoluted it was a joke, but I enjoyed it. (laughs) It was nonsense. (laughs) I would never, with the Laws of Pain Awards, it was rated as, or ranked as like the third best feud of the year, and I'm like, no, it was, the writing for it from week to week was awful. It was really bad, but they seemed to nail it on pay-per-views and it did what it needed to, essentially. I enjoyed it, but I would never rank it as a top five feud. <laughs> Just, It was important, it was a momentous moment, but it wasn't well-written. <laughs> like, no. Uh, but anyway, Becky Lynch's uh, Royal Wumble win stood the test of time. Seth Rollins was right in the moment, but the year that followed afterwards has took quite a bit away from it. Which sucks, because again, out on the night, both of them were 100% the right choice, as I smashed my spacebar button. (laughs) Both of them were 100% the right choice, but test of time. The women's winner stands a little bit better. But as for the Royal Rumbles themselves, measuring up to other Royal Rumble matches of the past, both of last year's offerings suffer a bit from pacing. Uh, The women's match feels like it takes an age to kick into gear, with the blonde entrant after blonde entrant at the start, it's, quite, you know, it's a little bit of a laugh. <laughs> it takes quite a while for somebody who's not blonde to enter the Royal Rumble, but then it kind of it doesn't really feel like it reaches the level of any of their stars at the time getting in until Charlotte Flair, like thirteen, I think it was. Then you get a few more, but then it starts to build and build and build. Uh, Ember Moon got a good showing, but she was like the biggest star in it for a little while. He got quite a few NXT names coming in and Rhea, R- Rhea Ripley, who is now a megastar, really, in NXT. But can you call it a megastar in NXT? She's killing it in NXT. But at the time, she was in NXT UK, so wasn't really getting that spotlight. Uh, Casey Catanzaro, uh, her amazing, <laughs> amazing chemistry between those two. Catazaro come off the Mayon Classic the year prior and really, really impressed. And her and Rhea Ripley on the NXT circuit had really gelled. So, yeah, put it in the Rumble. Yeah, A+. plus. <laughs> Jai Lee got a Royal Rumble debut. Uh, Lacey Evans, who, if I, I... can't remember if Lacey Evans was part of the four that got called up. Because there were so many resets last year. I can't remember which reset, or we promised to be better moment, she was in. I want to say it was the first one, with like Nikki Cross and Heavy Machinery and EC3. I want to say she was the fourth one. <laughs> but because we had one, like not like the Royal Rumble, we had the other one with Alistair Black, Ricochet, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano. just like they, And of course, they got the other reset. With uh, the wild card rule and the brand split, and then you've got the wild card rule is going to die, and then you got the post SummerSlam one, then you got October, <laughs> just, and that's not forgetting obviously in 2019 is we promised to be better was also linked to these four debuting, but at the time Lacey Evans hadn't been she hadn't wrestled at all, and Void Rumble was her kind of wrestling debut. She was walking out doing nothing, then walking back, and and the reaction they were seemingly go for was alrighty then, <laughs> and then you move on it's like whoa that was weird. Thanks for that, Lacey. And then you get on with the show. Royal Rumble, fast forward one year, Lacey Evans really has established herself. It's, it's weird, she was not used, hardly used at all, then used too heavily, then used perfectly, and now she's a face. <laughs> so It's a really weird year for her. She feels way more established, obviously, than she was when she was number one entrant in the Royal Rumble last year. Like, she had to cut a promo to kind of give her value to the number one position. She had to cut a promo to start the Royal Rumble. Which is a weird <laughs> feeling. Like to start the, when you start the Royal Rumble, the first thing you see is Lacey, Lacey Evans and a promo to help you care about her. Because they hadn't done it at <laughs> that point. Um, one year later, like yeah, that's good, that's not going to be an issue at all. They've actually featured her half decently. <laughs> so well done there. But yeah, the number one and two uh, in the Royal, Royal Rumble for the women, her and Natalia, it's pretty mild for me. It's one of those opening. It's one of the like really the first five or so, five or six. It's very low key. It doesn't really get going to a little while. Uh, really, like even when Mickey James is in there, uh, when Mandy Rose is in there, Naomi, they do they play off their storyline, which I completely forgot about. <laughs> Mandy Rose, it, that was the she was trying to seduce uh, Mister Uso. I can't remember which one's married to Naomi, Jay or Jimmy. <laughs> so yeah, that was that storyline last year. Mandy Rose again. She's in a much better place than that. She's not much higher up the card, but she's in a better place than sedu- trying to seduce people, which is an angle which didn't really do that well. <laughs> it, was a, it died pretty quickly, I think, after the Royal Rumble. But it gave the spot for them, and Naomi got to her, uh, her equivalent of the Kofi stuff, where she uh, survives near elimination in athletic... It's a really impressive athletic fashion. But... Um, but yeah, it takes a little while to get going, and it's not until Charlotte, who's just before halfway through, does it start to wake up, and then the final ten, it slowly builds to the amazing moment of Becky Lynch coming in, and from that point, the crowd don't die down once. <laughs> it's what As soon as Becky Lynch enters that rumble, the crowd is damn awake, because in that time, there's still the fear because they've built Charlotte Flair as, like, she's the company one, she's the one they want. Rousey versus Flair, that is the match that WWE seemed to start to set up at last year's WrestleMania, and they're going to go through with here. Becky Lynch wasn't part of the plans, oh, they could still stick with it. But they used that really well. They did retcon their plans, and they've changed it to Becky Lynch, giving her that moment. And it worked That worked so well. As soon as he enters the crowd, go crazy. It's like, oh, crap, she is in. This isn't going to be a Charlotte Flair thing and then it, it builds so damn well, we got Nia Jackson there uh, towards the end, and then she gets eliminated, and you get your final two, 100% the correct final two as well, and the entire time the drama plays out of, oh, but it's WWE, Charlotte Flair's that one, but then Becky Lynch is the fan's choice, and obviously the fan's choice, more or less, is going to be the WWE choice, but they can paint the picture <laughs> to confuse all that, and they did a magnificent job of that at the time. It's just that, as an entire Royal Rumble, the first half is pretty meh. It's not really much going for it. Second half it starts to wake up. There's a lot of NXT entrance. As I said, in from 10 to 20 or 10 to 25, I guess as well, you get a lot of NXT folk, a lot of like lower card people getting in. But it was still, it still nailed it because by the end of it, you've it's it's a, it's a weird one. The, they nailed the ending, but even if the beginning and middle is kind of a bit. Uh, Lacking in star power, I guess, is one way to explain it a little bit. But by the end of the match, it's just, yes, this is perfect. Well done. Well done, WWE. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, so again, standing the test of time one year later, it's still a really enjoyable Royal Rumble. It's just that, yeah, the first half of it is kind of meh, and then it slowly builds and builds, and it doesn't really get going until the final five, and then it's so perfect. <laughs> those, final, those That final run. So I can't really, I can't give that bit any more thumbs up. So has it stood the test of time? Kind of, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. As an overall rumble, yes. As a watching it, wait, watching it, watching it as entertainment purely kind of thing. Uh, the first half is just a little bit, me- and I wouldn't be surprised if most people watching it might just have if they're watching on a laptop, and if you press the right arrow key, it'll skip ten seconds instead of having to click on it. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if quite a few people just press that arrow key <laughs> just, in between entrance just skipping those 10 seconds uh, It's that's happened in past Royal Rumbles as well it's not just unique to this one but there's uh, quite a lot about this first half of this Rumble which kind of warrants the 10 second skip <laughs> uh, as for the men's somewhat similar issue starting off with Elias and Jeff Jarrett to give uh, such a unique beginning um I really, at the time, I really enjoy this, but going back to watch it, for some reason, whenever they do stuff kind of like this, I feel like, no, I want to just get on with the Rumble, please. <laughs> it's, a, it's weird. At the time, it worked. It's, well, it's the type of thing which really works when you're watching it live, but then when you go back and watch it and you're really up for the Royal Rumble, and instead you're watching a guitar thing and the playback with that. Like, same with the Spirit Squad 2006, uh, 2004, I think, where they have Eric Bischoff and whoever, was it Paul Heyman at the time? Where they're coming out and they start arguing that my person's going to win the Rumble. No, my person's going to win the Rumble. It might have been Teddy Long. <laughs> I can't remember. But, yeah, that wasn't, you know, super great. <laughs> but it's it's that, it's that kind of thing where they, for some reason, don't start the Rumble. And you're kind of... They have someone else come out and they do their stuff. We get a bit of heat or a bit of cheering or whatever. And then you start the match. Uh, yeah, Jeff Jarrett Elias kind of falls into that category. Technically, the match has started. But... Also, technically, <laughs> you've got the old guitar thing, and then the next entrant is Kurt Angle, so you don't really get uh, you don't really get it properly getting going until entrant number four, which is a bit of a uh, I don't know. Watching it back one year later, it doesn't it doesn't work as well for me. I would have put Angle's entrance uh, entrance a bit later, as in after Jeff Jarrett, it gets going kind of thing. That doesn't fit the story they told at all. I'm completely changing the beginning story with Elias <laughs> to do my thing. <laughs> but it's just watching it back one year later, you get the Jeff Jarrett Elias things. Right, now he's gone. The Royal Rumble can start, then now comes Kurt Angle. And it's kind of, it's the novelty act of Kurt Angle. So the Royal Rumble still doesn't really get going or technically start until the next engine. Yeah, so it's, watching it back, it's a little bit jarring a bit. As soon as Seth Rollins enters, it wakes the hell up. It's victim of a tired crowd, which is a massive shame. That it's not the first time this night where a match which was pretty fun kind of it wasn't it wasn't greeted amazingly because the crowd was knackered from the previous events. This this hundred percent falls into that. The crowd are knackered by this point. They're between hour five and six, I think, which is crazy. A crazy amount of stamina to really cheer for all the stuff. Uh, but yeah, as soon as Seth Rollins enters the crowd wake up, there's uh, the NXT people, are they put on an amazing show, like Alistair Black was in there, I don't think Ricochet was, Johnny Gargano was. Uh, they get amazing ovations, and, the, and they look pretty strong in there as well. Who didn't look strong with Dean Ambrose, this was the moment that he's, yeah. As we're going in, I before I recorded this, I just finished watching AEW. And as we speak, he is now either a pirate or solid Snake Moxley with his eye patch. And just, uh, I don't care if I got one eye, I'm gonna beat you up. So it's really weird. Fast forward one year to see what Moxley was doing this time last year. It's really bad promos, but also at the same time, he is still got that momentum from the Seth Rollins feud. It's weird. The it's not been met well. But the fan acceptance of him being the heel is still there. It's it's a weird midway point. As in, this is his death though. The fashion in which he gets eliminated, they really pushed and andrade in this match. He was kind of victim to that. And yeah, down, uh, away goes Dean Ambrose in very quiet fashion. Really, his and his elimination really wasn't made that big a deal of. The other weird thing is this is just a few weeks before the Kofi push. At, so it's really weird watching it back. You remember the Kofi Kingston run to WrestleMania and then you go back and watch the Rumble. He's he's just doing New Day things and there's no hint of a push whatsoever. <laughs> which of course, it was like on the night, obviously, Mustafa Ali was unable to wrestle. But, uh, and then in, in drops Kofi Kingston, which means when you go back to the Royal Rumble, there's no hint of it. <laughs> it's really weird to watch it back. Uh, just like, oh yeah, Kofi Kingston is he's going to do the Kofi spot. But that's pretty much it, really. It's fun New Day stuff. Um, Big E doesn't really get much of a look. It's the biggest shame, I think, really, is Royal Rumble feels like it'd be a perfect opportunity to have one of the New Day have an impressive run, but it was a running theme of... <laughs> unfortunately, in the Royal Rumble, if you were a black man, you got eliminated pretty damn quickly. It's a running theme. Uh, Rich Latter picked that up. <laughs> just watching it, it's just like, ah, yeah, there's not a great run, really, in the Men's Roy Rumble this, last year. But um, obviously, soon after that, Kofi is immediately relevant. So it's it's an interesting watch. This is moments before Kofi Kingston gets his massive moment or his massive run for WrestleMania. But at this point, he's still just doing New Day things. And if I'm right, the New Day spot, the Kofi spot, didn't quite go to plan. It didn't quite work. So they're trying to be like, "Yay, we did it!" And the crowd don't really react to it (laughs) because it's like, "Oh, don't just—it's not quite worked. So they're not quite pulled it off." I think whatever if they had done it, it would have been impressive, but they didn't. <laughs> it was a little bit sloppy, uh, which is a shame because Kofi normally pulls off really complicated stuff or really technically difficult athleticism uh, just on this occasion. He mucked it up. If you do it every year, the odds are, on one occasion, you might not nail it. I'm not going <laughs> to go crazy on that. It's like, yeah, it's wrestling. Sometimes you try and have something ambitious and it doesn't quite work. You might have nailed it in training or in practice and when you go out to actually do it, you just you just muck it up a little bit, like right? a fraction off, and suddenly you're slipping. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it's wrestling, um, but yeah. Overall, overall, it's another rumble where outside of the main, I guess outside of the biggest contenders, it's pretty filler. You got again, it's a, just like the women's. This is really the first year where a lot of, all of the surprises were pretty much NXT guys. Uh, men's was a little bit different because you got uh, Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett to start off the thing, but as the Match went on. It really was just NXT guys, as they were the surprises, and they've not got the they got much bigger audience now. Obviously, I'm assuming the NXT pops this time will be a little bit more significant, given that on USA more people know who these guys are. But at the time, they were kind of quiet ovations. Whilst the hardcore fans in the arena, they bloody well knew, and they would pop for them. Like, oh yeah, this is awesome. But because at the time, Johnny Gargano was massively over. But also at the time. They didn't really. A lot of people who are main roster fans or didn't have the network, they wouldn't know. But still, it's kind of similar to the women's. The middle portion starts to slow down a little bit, and then the last twenty starts to kick into last ten. It starts to kick into gear. Last ten after twenty is what I was trying to say. It starts to kick into gear. There's one thing in particular that already has not aged well, uh, and that's the Nia Jax spot. Uh, WWE's intergender wrestling tees died immediate death. The biggest, this was the second, well, I guess this would be the biggest moment of it with Nia Jax coming in and then like Randy Orton hitting an RKO, Dolph Ziggler a superkick and eventually gets eliminated. Uh, But that, yeah, so this was kind of its peak and then you had the teasing of her and Dean Ambrose having a feud and I was thinking, oh, this might be Dean Ambrose kind of parting thing to give into gender wrestling a go. They did it on the house circuit. Uh, It immediately died a death. (laughs) <laughs> Dean Ambrose left shortly after he wasn't on Wrestlemania he got paid 50 bucks for the Goodbye Shield tour uh, yeah and the intergender wrestling team died with it which it, it, really it kind of it dampens the rumble because there's kind of two things that, like the winner himself the year that happened just kind of made his win feel less significant in the moment it's great it's 100% the right choice but again one year later and Nia Jax kind of puts a whole dampener on the thing On the whole match. And with what... uh, Of course it was like... Oh this might be a a tease for the future. What's going to happen here? One year later it got immediately killed. So not only does it kind of put a bit of a dampener on the match. But it also has not stood the test of time. And just like the uh, augmented reality stuff. (laughs) With the CGI graphics. They don't look great now. They're going to age horribly. (laughs) In like five years. Especially with next gen coming out for the consoles. PlayStation 5 and Xbox... I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Xbox Series X or something. I feel so sorry for parents. <laughs> These names are becoming so similar for Xbox. But with the with next gen coming, up, up with it comes the next generation of graphics and the kind of level people ac- expect from those graphics. Like the augmented reality that WWE use within this year is going to be shifted right back into being dated. <laughs> it's just, they don't look good now. Never mind in a few years. It's going to age horribly. But the Nia Jax thing, that really has not aged well within a year. Like, just not a... Like if you're thinking about intergender wrestling stuff, like, I agree with the... Like, they said it up on television, Dean Ambrose, that's a bit of a tease, but they properly tested it on the house circuit. I find it weird they did that after this. Like if you're thinking of doing this, and thinking it might be a possibility, I would have done it the other way around, like, test the house circuit stuff, see the response before doing it. Because uh, it's quite a, it's quite a kind of a shift, I- shifting of an idea in the Royal Rumble, to have uh, Nia Jax be the one who really, <laughs> who is, like, she's the one who like, I think she attacked our truth, and uh, she's the kind of the big force in the match. Yeah, not a. Not a fan of that moment in the long term. I wasn't as um I wasn't going crazy at it at the time. I was perfectly I was like, oh it's this interesting example of one who's personally for intergender wrestling purely because of how Lucha Underground showed me it could be done. And like for any argument of, oh, the women are way much smaller, it's not realistic, well then they wrestle as a smaller wrestler. It's not rocket science. <laughs> and Lucha Underground kind of taught me that lesson. It's like, yeah, it... Can be done, and uh, for me personally, I-, I love seeing Impact Wrestling running with it. Uh, but also in my wrestling, I love variety. So if WWE still want to stick with the separate divisions, I'm perfectly fine with that because I can get my intergender wrestling elsewhere. So, so, i like, wrestling is full of variety right now. So I don't need WWE to do it. Like the indie scene is normally the tones they set quite often will be played out in the future of the mainstream. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's. within the next decade or so we do get into gender wrestling on the main stage but we're not at that point yet and if anything we AW first really but we're not at that point yet because again the indie scene of the mid noughties didn't really happen until the like five six years down the line when we're getting all of our Samoa Joe's AJ Styles and whatnot on WWE that's like a decade after they were killing it in TNA wouldn't be surprised if it's the same here but it's a tease that really does hasn't aged well within now. Because they've immediately killed it. It's a really odd thing to do. It takes a lot of the momentum away from the Rumble. So they essentially have to build it back up. They built it back up well. But the crowd was knackered. <laughs> so not, if you go by the crowd noise you couldn't really tell. But just watching it at, at home. The momentum of the actual story they're telling. It flows really it, it flows really well after they get rid of Nijax. The crowd pops and they build from there really well. The final two are Strowman and Rollins. They do the... 2004 ending which has been done quite a few times It's just the the smaller guy kind of forgets the headlock on the bigger guy who just eventually just falls over the top and the smaller man wins Seth Rollins won the Royal Rumble crowd of giving the energy they've got left they give it to Seth Rollins they are knackered but they do the best they can two perfectly right winners but two rumbles also that they're not up there as the best rumbles but they're the right winners So it's a a weird one. (laughs) We're in a... I feel like we're in a kind of patching phase for the Rumble. Well, I guess from... I guess 13, you could class as the first one with John Cena winning, but it's... At the time, it was kind of revolted against a bit, but it was nothing compared. It's kind of laying the groundwork for the years that came after. So I guess from 13, 14, 15... 16 somewhat still in that area, and then 17 Autumn won it, I guess, in the Evolution winning the Rumbles era. It's like there was a four or five year run where the Rumble really wasn't accepted that well. Uh, 16 was a good Rumble, it just had an Evolution winner. Obviously, Evolution had died out like 10 years beforehand, so Triple H winning is like, yeah, it's it's not the best for building the future, but it's perfect. Yeah, (laughs) it's weird. Roman Reigns was made in that moment, but they still felt the need to change him consistently afterwards. It's, like, oh, it's, a, it's a shame. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I feel like now, 2018 was really the first one of this current era where they kind of changed their tactic with it, and it's more of a crowd-pleasing Roy Rumble. Uh, 2018, I thought, was fantastic. One of my favourite rumbles. It's amazingly paced. Uh, the winner is... Yeah, 100% the right winner as well uh, the final six worked really well never mind the final four or final two it is a great rumble The that again the winner doesn't really stand the test of time, <laughs> it's just getting like a mora. but the match itself is so well done that it doesn't really matter, in this case the winners uh, were the correct winners 100% going to Wrestlemania so from rumble to Wrestlemania they worked well, Be- Becky Lynch was 100% the right winner, Seth Rollins and momentum died down a little bit but the rumbles themselves are a little bit up and down in places. They're not from start to finish, really well paced like twenty eighteen was. Uh, and for the women, twenty eighteen was this amazing moment where it didn't really matter. Like the, the final three of the Bellas and Asker, eh? Like it <laughs> could have had a bigger moment. Like, but they did that this year. The ending nailed it. Uh, but yeah, the rumbles themselves, the mid, like they're up and down. They they both have great moments, but they both have kind of slow down moments where you're kind of not really paying attention you're pressing that skip by 10 seconds button yeah not my favourite Rumbles even though the winners do (laughs) were 100% the correct choice so quickly before we end off there were the matches in between how well have they aged I'm not really going to talk I'm not going to talk about the tag matches I'm specifically going to talk about the main ones the four biggest ones the two women's belts and the two world titles so I'll, I'll be talking about the women so first Lynch versus Asuka an absolutely amazing opener, 100%, when you go back and watch it, still amazing, <laughs> still really, really good. Uh, and Lynch, in defeat, is absolutely destroyed, Asuka set up as this ultimate boss. Like, immediately after this, though, Asuka's completely forgotten. Like, she is the casualty of the v- women main event in WrestleMania, which kind of sucks. <laughs> Asuka was built as this final boss, and then, of course, the final boss actually became Ronda Rousey. To be fair, Ronda Valsi was also set up as this final boss for WrestleMania. Becky Lynch was always going to face Ronda Valsi. So, yeah, really they set up two dominant champions on this show. But long term, they only used one of them, which is a shame. But this opening match for the show, Lynch vs Asuka, bloody brilliant. <laughs> yes, sometimes in Royale one where you want to skip to the Rumbles themselves. But on this one, like no, like, the title matches are bloody great. So Lynch vs Asuka... 100% he, there's no real need to skip to the Rumbles unless you're doing a mass decade rewatch or <laughs> mass Rumble rewatch of all the Rumbles. But yeah, Lynch vs Asuka, 100% stands the test of time. Sets up the stories really, really well. Shame about Asuka. Uh, like, afterwards. Uh, Rousey vs Banks, somewhat similar, but uh, like obviously at the time, Sasha Banks and Bayley were going to be used to set up the women's tag team division, and they did do that, and it's a bit of a shame that it, for them in particular, it didn't quite work out but long term we've got Asuka and Kairi sane and the Kabuki warriors and the women's tag team titles main event TLC and they feel relevant now it was it was a long time though <laughs> it took half a, over half a year to establish that part of me is kind of like i understand why even though it's not a good reason as in the reason is they were so all over the place like the time to uh, time to give any attention to the women's tag team titles wasn't going to be there because they were struggling with everything else as well so I can understand why, and then once they're more stabilised, the women's tag team type stuff become relevant. So, yeah. So going to 2020, it's an odd one. So Rousey, Rousey versus Banks, Ronda Rousey's run to WrestleMania was fantastic. With her one year, uh, brilliant. One year arc of brilliance, <laughs> I think I'll say. She felt like such a massive deal, and obviously Ronda Rousey is a mega draw in America as well. Uh, which is uh, which obviously helps <laughs> this helped set her up feeling like the WrestleMania champion which again was really really it's a, it's a point which is really well needed it's Ronda Rousey tested against a fan favorite wrestler and it's, it's, it's a fan favorite wrestler who is in that position because she's so respected for her, her wrestling ability uh, so it her, so Ronda Rousey having to go through her and Sasha Banks taking her to the limit this is like it's such a necessary part of setting her up as a dominant champion come WrestleMania and it's also a necessary part in turning Ronda Rousey as well, because she's going up against a fan favourite. And at the end of the day, Ronda Rousey has really, really impressed people comparing her to Kurt Angle, of how how quickly she's picked up, picked up wrestling and how quickly she's reached a certain level. But also, she's an MMA person. That's why she's famous. And the MMA fame is being brought over to wrestling. So... But Sasha Banks, she is a wrestler. She's only ever wanted to do wrestling. She's wrestling. So the fans automatically gravitate to her and you go a little bit off Rousey. It works! <laughs> and they like, and they eventually turned her for WrestleMania. Like, yeah, this is a key part in that. Again, it turns a test of time. This yeah, Rousey Viz Banks has also aged amazingly. <laughs> Different and somewhat similarly. With Asuka, Banks has seen a resurgence after returning and from October being on SmackDown, she's seen a, a relevant... A res, I can't really say it. A resurgence in relevancy. That's why I was struggling with it. <laughs> but yeah, um, another amazing women's title match. Like Both of these matches have aged so damn well. They're really, really good. <laughs> it's a weird one. The Royal Rumbles themselves I felt weren't the best, but as an overall show, tw- Royal Rumble 2019 absolutely nailed it. Which brings me to the men. Uh, again, both matches, they played out how I re- really expected they should and how they would. Uh, Brian versus Styles had the unlucky task of going on after Lynch winning the Royal Rumble. The crowd were quiet as hell for Brian versus Styles, which is a shame because it was a really it was Brian vs Styles it was technically fantastic and the ending sequence encounters were exactly what ex- you'd expect from those two it's got the surprise debut of Eric Rowan with the recycling logo in his name <laughs> it's his return and he debuts alongside uh, Daniel Bryan so this was the show that that happened in and Daniel Bryan was on an amazing streak and obviously it was about to enter one of the best Wrestlemania kind of storylines and runs that WWE done in such a long time and uh, yeah, it felt a bit F uh, for Styles, but Daniel Bryan was on such a hot run that it... It's weird. He stands the test of time, but the match is just a bit quiet. It's just a little bit... Uh, uh, it's, it's an odd one. He comes after the Women's Rumble, so there's not really too much to say about it, and it was a feud that had kind of, this should be the final note, weirdly, for how it felt. Like, for two guys of such a respected calibre, and the feeling was, I hope this is kind of the last showing between them. It was like, oh, how... How did you do this? <laughs> I love these guys. Uh, but Lesnar versus Balor, bloody brilliant. Uh, Brock Lesnar brings it when he goes against these smaller guys that make him look like look like an absolute beast. Finn Balor did just that. And also Finn Balor, he felt... he, did, he did. WWE really convinced me that Finn Balor could possibly win, where Brock Lesnar got the injury on the announce table, where he went to the corner of it, and then Finn Balor just took advantage of it, and he came so damn close to beating Brock Lesnar... Brock Lesnar didn't beat Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar survived. <laughs> and I love that story, it made him look vulnerable. And that set up Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, like months down the line. So yeah, this show, it for me this show kind of, uh, the, the thing that really impressed me with this show was it showed the plans for the future. It, it very clearly defined the road we were about to go down. And from a Royal Rumble, that is really what I look for and like really 2019 that is something 2019 has severely lacked is like direction and a long-term point to aim for 2019 has suffered in the moment and he can't really see and he can't see the forest for the trees it's just it's really difficult but royal wimble 2019 they defined the directions they went this is the story we're going to tell you uh we are going to tell these stories and we're going to start setting them up now and they, that's exactly what the show did uh, Lesnar versus Bella sounds the test of time a bit better than Brian Styles because the crowd is awake for it, the crowd is up for it, and Finn and the, pay, and the pace of it is so quick as well. Finn Balor being on top for as long as he was, like people would never have predicted that. Of course, he goes to Suplex City, but he comes so close to beating Lesnar. Like genuinely, Lesnar, yeah, he just survived Finn Balor. He didn't destroy him like he had done other competitors. Which sets him up to lose to Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Just, muah, perfect. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and I guess similar to Brian Styles, like Daniel Bryan needed out Rowan to come out and save him. So that, again, could save up hit, because that, that can set up him losing at WrestleMania. As, uh, Sasha Banks taking Ronda Rousey to the limit. And, of course, with, and with Lynch Asker, that war set up Becky Lynch and they did Asker. But stuff was set up <laughs> on this Royal Rumble. And then they played, they went down that road. Just, yeah. I, In terms of this show, overall, this Royal Rumble, 100% stands to the test of time. The Rumbles themselves fall down a little bit. Which is, like, I'm assuming for the majority of people, they choose, they will watch the Royal Rumbles again. And when they say they watch the Royal Rumble, they mean the Royal Rumble matches. But on 2019, the show around it was great. It's an odd one. <laughs> it, has, it really has tested time. It's only one year, so it's not like the true test of time. But one year later, it is... Such an easy watch. Uh, All the title matches—you can see the thing that again, the thing that stood out for me was the clear direction. And it was just—they were set. They weren't just telling the stories in that moment. They were setting stuff up later down the line, and not just the Royal Rumble matches, which is in their inherent nature to set something up because obviously the winner gets a match at WrestleMania, so you need to have a plan under direction for that. So yeah, I guess thumbs up for the Royal Rumble twenty nineteen. It's passed the test of time really well. And it's great to say that after, like, when I started kind of writing about the Royal Rumbles, I started in 2016 writing in the Columns Forum. It was obviously like almost like two years before I was on the main page, like, trying out stuff. But, so, really, I joined in a not great time for the Rumble, (laughs) essentially. We'd had a string of years where the winners were booed out the arena, but the past two in particular with Roman Reigns and Batista, like, the final kind of portion of the match was completely rejected, just... Fan just boos. It's kind of like, oh, this is like ruining my favourite pay-per-view. But now, in the 2019, no, I'm back to really enjoy the Royal Rumble. And it's set an interesting precedent of even if the Royal Rumble matches aren't up to amazing scratch, the matches themselves, like the title matches, like, you're normally in for a treat. Like this year, we've got Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend. But that's gonna that story storyline wise, that that's really strong. Wrestling quality wise, you're talking one or two stars. So if you care more about story than you do about the wrestling part, then you will love it. <laughs> it's, again, I'm perfectly fine with variety in my WWE shows. You've got Asker vs. Lynch 2. <laughs> that done up really, really well. Lesnar's in the Rumble as champion. That's odd that's a little bit interesting I guess we'll see what happens there I've not seen if anything's set up for Bailey she might be facing Lacey Evans at the pay-per-view it's not been directly set up it's more that's who Bailey's been attacking and feuding against on SmackDown so I assume it will get announced but so Royal Rumble 2020 it's an odd one because they've been rebuilding since October so they're slowly getting to that point there's been a lot of negatives on 2019 this like the lists were insane if I was really for WWE, I just want a consistent road. Just don't go crazy off of the no wild card bollocks. No, oh we need to no throwing stuff at the wall kind of thing. <laughs> just yeah, just be just a solid year would be nice. Like, even overall, it doesn't have to be every week. Just a solid year for WWE, and that starts at the Royal Rumble. Uh, a road of which I've said you know, a couple of possibilities, but. I only really see one definite one that's been set up. They can use the Royal Rumble to set something up, because I'd argue Shinsuke Nakamura wasn't the number one choice guy to win the 2018 Royal Rumble. But you can use the favourite to set up the actual winner. Uh, also, I feel like it's been, it's been five years since Roman Reigns won his one and only Royal Rumble. And given the landscape of everything else in WWE, he feels the most consistent character, so I kind of feel like he should be winning. But again... Uh, who knows, he could be getting Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin at WrestleMania. (laughs) That's a feud that never ends, for all I know. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that brings me to the end of the show. Uh, If you've gone back to watch Royal Rumble 2019, what did you think? Or you can go back and watch it now and tell me uh, how you feel like it stands the test of time one year on. Uh, The Royal Rumble itself is next Sunday, so next week will be my preview show for it. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at cat to get my thoughts as I'm doing stuff. Uh, I'll have my weekly column reviewing the week of uh, US wrestling up on uh, the LawsofPain.net uh, at some point on Saturday. That's like 4,000 words or so on the past week of Raw, NXT, AEW and SmackDown. I'll get my words up on there. Uh, follow, yeah, Follow me on Twitter at cat I'm also working hard on the YouTube side. So obviously that means right now you're not seeing anything because I'm editing and editing takes time. <laughs> so as in editing good with effort takes time. So that's what I'm kind of doing at the moment. Uh, so yeah, so keep it's intu- keep in- uh, su- to keeping to keeping subscribe laws of pain on YouTube. Most of you listen to this on YouTube now, since we've made the move as well. So I know some of you already are subscribed. So thanks for that. <laughs> anyway, with that, I will end the show. Uh, I'll now plug all the other shows here on laws of pain and then bid you adieu. So, uh, this week we were, we didn't have a Dynamite After Dark as Gemini and Jeffery were fortunately unable to do it just not a great week for them but they were able earlier to pump out Kingdom of Honour that is also on YouTube so if you want to listen to Kingdom of Honour uh, Fridays if Mavplan and Mazza with the right side of the pond uh, they've recorded their final episode I don't know if that's this week or if that's to come and they've recorded them to then pump out I should have asked what we've got in this show uh, Saturdays is reserved for all Elite Wrestling stuff uh, Sundays again, reserved for like aftershocks or specials and things. Last week we had the uh, Laws of Pain Awards announcement special with myself and Sir Sam. So if you want to go listen to that mega Lord of the Rings length show. (laughs) Uh, Mondays is normally Kingdom of Honour with Jam and his friend Jeff. Uh, Tuesdays Global Revolution. Wednesdays Planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, which is also coming to an end soon. Lots of changes happening. Um, not just lots of Pain radio, but lots of Pain.net itself. <laughs> so, well, somebody who interacts with all these people. It's it's weird. <laughs> uh, uh, plan is currently going through Royal Rumble stuff with uh, Mavericks of past Rumble matches. So interesting listens for the time. If you want to get hyped for the Rumble. And then next Thursday, you got me previewing the Royal Rumble 2020. Well... See how it goes <laughs> I mean, It's the Royal Rumble I'm always excited for the Rumble It doesn't really matter how the year has gone I'll always be excited for the Rumble And with that I say thank you for listening to this show Subscribe to us on YouTube Follow us on the Twitters <laughs> On all the, whatever podcast app you're listening for iTunes 5 Star Review <laughs> All that stuff really helps us out And with that I bid you adieu, adieu. Ten.